Church, aren't you glad that God is always there? He's always there. Even when you don't feel like it, he is always there. Even when you don't feel him or sense his presence, he is always there. Because he says he will never leave you or forsake you. That's the God we worship, church. Amen. This morning as we look into God's word, I want us to look at God's word too. Because the psalmist says, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The word of God, church, the Bible, it blesses our lives. It blesses our lives and I'm not going to go to one extreme and say that if you read this book that all your problems in the world will go away. I'm not saying that and you will enjoy prosperity. I'm not going to go to that extent as worldly prosperity. But at the other end, I'm not going to be too embarrassed to say that God wants to bless our lives through his word. This book blesses our lives. Even though it's just paper and ink, the message is the word of truth that comes from God himself. This book will transform your lives. There's nothing really this, and I I can't, I guess I talk from my own experience. For the longest time as a kid, I'd sleep with the Bible next to my pillow because somehow I felt if the Bible was next to me, I'd be safe in the night. You know, and somehow, as you grow older, we realize that it's not really the book that makes a difference. It's His Word hidden in my heart that makes a difference in my life. The truth is this. In America, Bibles, you find everywhere. I mean, you can find them at the grocery stores. You can find them in bookstores, motel rooms. I mean, they come in all shapes and sizes and, you know... Translations, versions, leather bound, paper bound, whatever you want to call it. The Bible outsells every other book every year. Last year, there were 500 million Bibles published in the world in 18,000 different languages. Man, and in America, we're so blessed, actually. We, I say we have a surplus of the Word of God. Because we hear it on the radio, we see it on TV, I mean, we have books, magazines, and it's just everywhere, it's open, right? Yet millions of people miss out on the blessing that this word gives us. And I realize the reason it is that people miss out is because it's not automatic. Just because you have the Bible doesn't automatically bless your life. Just because you have a Bible in your house doesn't mean it's going to just bless your household now. It promises comfort. It gives peace. It gives us strength. It gives us hope. It gives us wisdom. It gives us joy. It gives us power. It gives us purpose. I can go on and on. But it's no use if it's just lying there on a shelf. Lying in a corner. Just because you have a Bible doesn't mean you have the, you know, or you will reap the benefits of it. Just because you have it. And James, being the practical person that he is, sort of gives us three ways here. And I've outlined three ways in which the Bible blesses our lives. How the Bible transforms and blesses our lives. And how the Bible can be a blessing in our lives. And if you have your Bibles, turn with me to James chapter 1. We're going to read from verses 19 all the way to 27. James 1 verse 19, it says, My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. 
Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who lock, uh, looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after the orphans and the widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. I think the key verse is found in verse number 25. He says, the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, they will be blessed. He will be blessed in what he does. If you want to be blessed by the Bible... Blessed by the word of God. Number one, you have got to accept the word of God. You've got to accept the word of God as the word of God. It's not just a good book. It is the word of God and you have to accept it. And the verse 21, it says, accept the word planted in you. Accept the word planted in you. And the word is, in the Greek, it's a hospitality term. It's talking about, hey, to welcome. Come on in. When we come to the word, it says, come on in. And James says, rule number one, if you're going to be blessed by the word of God, first we must welcome the word of God into our lives. We need to receive the word of God. And the word picture he gives here is, he's saying the word is planted. Of course, the idea is that of a garden, right? A gardener going garden and seed and the bible many times uses the example as the word being like seed i mean i think about jesus's parable the word of god being you know like that seed that is planted by by this farmer out there right the sower or such the word of god is a seed that is planted in our hearts and i have often wondered how you can take Two of the same exact seed. Plant it in two different locations and get two totally different results. The same seed from the same plant. Everything is exactly the same and you plant it in two different spots. And it yields different results and it's pretty simple the answer because one soil is prepared and the other soil is not. Because think about it a little more. How is it possible that you can take two people, put them in the same service with the same message and one person gets blessed while the other person didn't get anything at all? Think about it. How can you take two people, put them in the same service, one is blessed by it and the other person just walks away and like nothing happened. And I think the answer is pretty Biblically, scripturally speaking, the answer is pretty simple. One heart was prepared while the other heart was not to receive the word. James says when we receive the word of God, we've got to receive it with the right attitude. That's what the heart is all about, preparing the heart. And he actually goes through, and there's so much you can say here. But I'm going to put this in the context of the word of God. The attitude that we need to have when we come to the word of God. Number one is to be listeners. Be listeners. He says, be quick to listen. Be quick to listen and slow to speak. Give it your full attention. Don't miss out on this. Because you realize when I'm talking, I'm not listening. When I'm speaking, I'm not really hearing what he's saying. And I remember being told, God gave us, I mean, as a kid, God gave us two years and one month so that we listen twice as much as we speak. You don't say that here in America? I don't know. 
Because think about it, many of our problems are caused because we're quick to speak and slow to listen. And he challenges us to be careful with our attitude as we receive the word of God. Be ready, be intentional about listening. Be ready to receive what God has to say by being quick to listen. And I like the word used for listen here. I like the word listen as the whole because I can think about my kids at home and I can think about the kids in school that I teach. You know, I'm doing something and they're working on something, working in a lab, and I can see that it's going wrong. And I'm telling them, directing them what to do, but they're not listening to me. They still go, still go, still go until I have to go get in their face and get their attention. We do that with the word of God because we hear, they can hear me, they hear my voice, but they're not listening to what I have to say. How many times do we do that with the word of God? God, you're there and God is talking and talking and talking, but we've figured it out. We know how to do it our way. We're not listening to what he has to say. That's why he says, be quick to listen to the word. Be quick to listen. Don't let God be and God's word be the background noise. Be tuned in so that he's the main channel. Listen to what God has to say. If you want to be blessed by the word of God, be an eager listener. An eager listener. Be quick to listen, slow to speak. And then it says, number two, slow to anger. Be slow to anger. Be calm and and relax. If you're going to receive God's word and going to be blessed by it, you need to calm down. Verse 19, it says, slow to become angry. The truth is a relaxed attitude increases receptivity as such. If you are relaxed, people can communicate with you better. The truth is we work on relaxing people even in our services. That's the truth. Why do we sing before the sermon? Most of the time our sing is, yes, it is worship unto God. The singing ministers to us. The singing gets us to shift our attention from everything else around us and helps us to quieten our minds so that we focus on God. So invariably the singing relaxes us to focus on God. That's why we have the ability to dim the lights so that you don't have to look around and see what everybody else is doing. When we dim the lights, it's just between you and God. The whole idea is to relax you. You go to a spa. What do they do? They don't have bright burning lights all over the place. What do they do? Play soft music. The the mood is set. Because when you relax, you get receptive. And it's the same thing in a practical way. It's the same thing. Our hearts need to be and our minds need to be relaxed when we come into God's presence. Because that's when we will hear Him. That's when we will receive from Him. You don't have to worry about what someone else is going to see me do. You just have to relax and focus. This is just between you and me, God. You got to calm down. Have you ever tried to talk to a person who's upset? You don't get very far with them. That's the honest truth. It's the same thing with God too. I see Tristan shaking his head. But it's the truth. Have you ever tried to reason with somebody who's so upset? He's not going to hear what you have to say. That's the whole point of being slow to anger so that you calm yourself down so that God can speak to you. And when God speaks to you, then you will be blessed in your life. I've had people come and tell me, how come God never speaks to me? And I've said it jokingly, maybe you're talking too much. In your prayer time, you're talking too much. In your mind, you come to church, but you're talking too much, though you're not saying anything. When you have so much going on in there, you're not going to be open. What is your emotional state normally when you come to church on Sunday morning? It was great before I had kids and then, of course, just before you want to get in the car, someone has to use the restroom, right? You're running, you're rushing, you're doing everything else. And I love my kids, don't get me wrong. But they've not been here. I've been here at church at 6.30 in the morning. No responsibility, right? (laughs) 
But it's the truth. As life goes on, life gets hectic. We get caught up just coming to church. It's a rush to get to church on time. The first opening song, we hope to get there before the first opening song is done. Calm ourselves down before we come. It's part of preparing our hearts to hear from God. Just to stay calm. Slow to anger. The whole idea is to be calm. Third thing to do when to receive God's word. To, be, to, uh, to accept God's word. Is to get rid of the junk. To get rid of the junk. Verse 21 it says. Get rid of all the moral filth. And the evil that is so prevalent. The word filth is. Actually the, the literal word is. The picture it paints is. Ear wax. That's the word. And I think it's totally appropriate. We got stuff in our ear, junk in our ear, we're never going to hear properly. Get the junk. Get rid of the junk. Because it blocks, sin blocks your life from hearing what God has to say. It prevents God from getting to your heart. When you have sin in your heart that you are dealing with, so this is so true because when we have sin in our hearts and we're not dealing with it, it dulls our sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. It dulls our sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. That's why he says get rid. Get rid of the evil. Anything that, just, that we know is not right in our lives, we ought to do our best to get rid of it. As we prepare, lay aside whatever it is that garbage basically. That pulls us down and get ready to hear so that God can get through to you. Well, let me say this. It's not about being perfect at all. You don't have to be perfect for God to speak at you. But as long as you are not callous to sin. And that's such a scary thing for me. You don't have to be perfect, but as long as you are not callous to sin, God will speak to you. God will speak to you. And I, as, as a pastor, I plead with you, don't ever grow callous to sin. And I define sin as anything that falls short of you being like Christ. Don't ever settle for, this is just me, I can't control my temper. Or whatever it is. And we justify it that way. At least I'm not getting drunk and sleeping around with other people. Don't ever get callous to sin. The moment you start justifying your lifestyle. The moment you start justifying your lifestyle. Or anything you do that does not conform to the likeness of Christ. We start losing our sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. Because if we have sin in our lives. God cannot get through. God cannot get through. Get rid of it. Always be working on that junk. Chip at it. The Holy Spirit will help you. And that's the point. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Listen to the Holy Spirit. He will prompt you. He's not going to do it for you. He's going to prompt you. Hey, don't go there. Now you've got to decide to obey what he says and not go there. He's not going to pull you. Rarely does he pull you back. From a place like that. He's going to prompt you. The Holy Spirit within you will prompt you. Hey, watch out for that. We've got to make the decision. Get rid of the junk. The fourth attitude we need to have to accept God's word. And I think it's really important. Is to be humble, it says. Verse 21. And humbly accept the word planted in you. Which can save you. Humility. Be teachable. Be yielded. Be willing to be changed. Be moldable. Humbly accept the word of God planted in you. Don't act like a know-it-all. Because if you know it all, can't God, God can't say anything to you anymore. Pray, God, do what you need to do in my life. I'm open. I am me and you are God. Humility. I know a few people... Who don't go to church because, you know, they feel they don't get anything out of it. And I know a number of people like that. I've come across a number of people. They don't go to church because they don't feel like they're getting anything out of it. 
And very often I ask them lovingly, you know, very lovingly, does your pastor preach from the word of God? Or does he just bring something out from left field as such? And then I just, just got to ask him, if he's preaching from the word of God, there's something for you. Check yourself. Check yourself out. You are not listening. And I know they get upset with me, but I know I don't say it directly, but if I know them well enough, I say, search your attitude before you go to church. Search your attitude before you go to church. Because if you say, God, speak to me today, he will speak to you today. It doesn't matter if Julia has to memorize and repeat a scripture here. If the word is being spoken, if you have the right heart and the right attitude, Lord, speak to me. It will speak to you. Don't blame the preacher. Don't blame the word. Check yourselves out. Your attitude of humility will make you receptive to God's word. God says, if you want to be blessed, number one, you have to be ready to accept God's word. You have to receive it. You have to be receptive to it. Number two, the second way we receive God's word is to reflect on the word of God. Number one is accept the word. Number two is to reflect on the word of God. Verse number 23. Verse 23, it says, anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror. And after looking at himself, immediately goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. James uses the example of a mirror. God's word is like the mirror. The purpose of a mirror is to what? Reflect ourselves so that we can evaluate ourselves. Why do we look into a mirror? To check ourselves out. To make sure I look presentable. We use them to evaluate ourselves. Why do you think gyms have so many mirrors in them? Yes, part of it is to show that you're making sure you're doing the right form. But have you looked at people in the gym? They do one rep and then they go to the mirror. <laughs> to check themselves out, to evaluate whether it's been effective or not. That's what mirrors do. In the morning when I get up, you know, I go stand over that sink. And the first thing I do is I look at myself. Now, what's the point if I look at myself and see the bed? I don't have much bed hair, but, you know, get the idea. If I look at myself like that and just walk away and do nothing, that mirror serves no purpose. It's the same thing with the Word of God. We can look at the Word of God. The Word of God searches our hearts, shows the intentions of our hearts. It shows the desires of our hearts. It shows us who we really are. But if you're not willing to change our lives, that Word of God is totally useless. We do the same thing. We do it, unfortunately. We get callous. Okay, that mirror is showing me something. I need to fix my hair. I need to fix my shirt. I need to fix my tie. Whatever it is. And I do it. That's when the mirror is effective. The same way the word of God. If the word of God shows me something but I don't do anything about it. It's missing the point of reading that word. You're missing out on reading the word. Because the Bible says God detects our thoughts, our intentions, our inner heart, our motives. He detects the desires of our heart. Whenever we reflect on the word of God, it shows us who we really are too. I know I met one just recently. Guy is too scared to read the Bible because he's, he's scared that he'll have to, he'll face himself and then he'll have to change. And I was laughing and he was laughing about it too. But James gives us three practical ways to reflect on God's word. First one is the man who looks, verse 25. It says, the man who looks intently into the perfect law. He looks intently. He's just not looking at it. He looks intently. The ideas of someone studying the word of God. And that word look uh, that's used here in James is also used uh, when Peter goes and he looked into the tomb. It's about bending down and gazing into. That's the same word used and the Bible wants us to do the same thing. It's like Peter goes to investigate what's happening when they told him Jesus had risen. It's the same word used here. You bend down and look intently. That's you investigate the perfect law. I'm glad it says perfect because it is the perfect word of God. Yeah. 
Because think about it, you can easily look at a, you can, as you're walking, you can just glance at a mirror and keep walking on. Or you can look at it and then say, hey, I need to fix myself before I keep going. Do the same thing with the word of God. Like I said, it's just human nature to look at ourselves through a mirror. It's the same thing with the word of God. We can just gaze into the word of God or we can just glance into it. The choice is ours. Gazing, the whole idea is to study, to research, to investigate the word of God. Gazing into, looking intently, intently into the word of God. Because it reveals me, but it also reveals more about God. That's why I study it. Is there, as I read the word, I look, is there something in my heart that I need to get right? Is there a sin that I need to confess? Is there a promise that I need for a certain situation? Is there a promise that I can use and apply in my life and claim over my life? Is there something that I hear from God's word and now I realize that I'm convicted and now I know I need to obey that command that he has given me? That sensitivity to the Holy Spirit comes when we study the word of God and he says, read it. Gaze intently, look intently into, into the perfect law. How do we reflect on God's word? The first way is by reading it. The second way is for this, to meditate on it. Because if you read that verse, he says, he, after looking, uh, verse 25, it says, look intently into the perfect law that gives freedom. And then this part, and continues to do this. Do what? He keeps looking into the perfect law. You can't read the Bible only on Sunday and think everything's going to be good. It's something you meditate upon. The whole idea of thinking about something continuously is meditation. That's what meditation is all about. You meditate about it. You think about it. Not just for a moment, but you keep thinking about it. Keep thinking about it. Whenever you think about something over and over again, that's what meditation is all about. Meditation is not putting your mind in neutral like a lot of the other philosophies in the world teach us. Keep your mind blank. That's not meditation. Meditation is thinking about something seriously and thinking about it again and again and again. Here And here's, here's the thing. If you say you cannot... Or do not know how to meditate. Let me tell you this. Let me share some insight. If you know how to worry, you know how to meditate. Because what is worry? Thinking about something negative over and over and over again. And that's what messes with you. If you can meditate and if you can worry and meditate on the negative, you can meditate on God's word. You can meditate on God's word. Meditate. Do it. If you continue in my word, then you are my disciples, Jesus says. Read it. Meditate on it. The reason the, there's an outline on the screen is not for me to keep to myself. It's not for you to just write down on Sunday and just go back and put it away for the rest of the week. The challenge is that you will go back and read it and meditate on the word. Meditate on what the word of God is saying. Psalms 119, he says, I meditate on your word all day long. If you want to be blessed, you want to get the best, the full potential of this word of God, meditate on it. Meditate on the word. Some people, I feel, are more med- meditate more on their favorite sports team than they do scripture. We meditate on a lot of other things other than the word of God. And the challenge is, the truth is this. How many of you know what you read on the, on the we don't read newspapers anymore. You know, online, what you read online, what you watch on TV, what you hear on the radio. How much of that is true? I don't know how much of it is really true. Yet we meditate, we allow the news to mess with our hearts, mess with our minds. How much more should we spend time in this that is 100% true? Meditate on this and let it bring life to your life. Meditate on God's word. Meditate on God's word. I was reading about 
about that. And that's like, it's amazing how we allow the news to mess with us. We really do. How much more we need to allow the word of God to encourage us, build us up. Meditate on his word. You read it. How do you reflect and allow God's word to reflect on your life is to read it, meditate on it, and memorize it. Memorize it. I just talked to someone just this week and he told me, I'm having an easier time fighting the battle because I have been memorizing scripture and God brings back the scriptures to me when I need it. I was so encouraged because I've been encouraging him. Hey, as much, you don't have to listen. It's great if you are smart enough to learn Proverbs, this, this, this. Even if you don't know the exact, what is the word, citation. Know the word. Knowing Proverbs or John 3.16, just knowing that it's John 3.16 isn't going to help you. Knowing what John 3.16 says helps you. Meditate, memorize the word of God. That's what it says in verse 25. He says, he looks intently into the, uh, the perfect law. And then he says, he continues to do so, not forgetting what he has said. Not forgetting. That's memory he's talking about there. Remembering what he has said. Get into the habit of memorizing scripture. It will never be in vain. Never be in vain. Thy word have I hidden in my heart, the Bible says, that I might not sin. It's kind of interesting taking notes and everything else. It says 95% of the people, 90 or 95% of the people forget what they've heard in 72 hours. And as a teacher and a pastor, I just, I just shake my head. 72 hours, 90 to 95% of the people forget what they said unless they write it down and take a look and remember and read it again. You know, because I spent time, I mean, like I said, I spent time preparing this message and just think about it. By Wednesday, 90% of you are going to forget. And I'm like, why am I even preaching now? It's not, it's not that. I'm not, I'm not going to hold on to statistics. But I'm just telling us, human nature is that. We forget real easy unless we write it down. Meditate on it. Remember it. Remember. So read, meditate, and memorize. And I think the most important thing is coming up. We accept God's word. If we want to be blessed by the Bible, first we got to accept God's word as the word. Number two, we've got to reflect on it and allow it to reflect into our lives. And number three, we've got to apply. We've got to respond. We've got to apply the word of God. We have to apply the word of God. I must do something about it. I have to act on it. I've got to live it. I've got to practice it. Because verse 22, it says, do not, be, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Practice. Do what it says. What good is a mirror? Like I said, if I don't change the way I look after I look and see that how messed up I am. What good is that mirror if I don't practice what I do? The word here, it says to merely listen. The understanding here in this part is about if you've taken an audit class, you know, you're auditing a class in college. You know what I'm talking about? You don't, you're not taking it for credit. You're taking it, you're just auditing the class. That means you don't have to do any assignments. You don't have to turn in any papers. You don't have to do the test. And it says don't do that with the word of God. That's the idea because many of us want to audit the word of God. Just hear what it has to say, but we don't want any responsibility that comes with obeying what it has to say. Practice. You just listened. Now let's apply. You've just read something. You've listened to what God has to say. Now's the time to put it into practice. Put it into practice. Don't come to church and listen to the word of God if you're not going to go out and practice what it says. That's the challenge. And I was like that for a while in my Christian walk because I heard, I even wrote notes faithfully, but it didn't change my life one bit because I didn't practice what it said. For the word of God to be effective, we've got to apply it. We've got to apply God's word for it to change us, for it to bless us. We have to be willing to apply God's word. Because otherwise what we're doing, we're fooling ourselves. He says, don't deceive yourselves. You're just fooling yourself. 
if you think you've read the Bible, highlighted it, underlined it, took, take some good notes, but don't practice it, it's no point at all. You're deceiving yourselves into a form of spirituality. You're deceiving yourself because you've read the whole Bible in a whole year and underlined the whole thing with your marker. You think you mature all of a sudden just because you've done that. If you don't apply God's word, it means nothing. Apply God's word. Because the real truth and the real test of maturity is not knowledge, church. It's not how much you know the Bible. It's how much you live the Bible. That's the test of maturity. How much do you live the word of God? Because I know, like I said, a lot of people who've read the Bible, they know a lot about the Bible. But they still don't live spiritual lives as such. They're still spiritual babies. The truth is this. With knowledge comes accountability and responsibility. There will be a day when you will be held accountable and responsible for what you did with the word of God that was shared with you. That's going to be a day between you and God. I can't stand in the middle and mediate for you. With knowledge comes responsibility. What am I going to do with what I know? Jesus says, too much, uh, much is expected from those who much is given to. Right? He says that. If I struggle with addiction and you give me a book that you come and give me a book and you say, hey, you know what? This book is just such a great book. It changed my life. It's changed a million lives. I want you to read it. And then you go off on vacation and you come back after six months, but I am still the way that I am. And then you ask me, hey, did you not read the book? And I say, hey, I read it. I highlighted it. I underlined it. I even did a word search on every single word in that thing. Great. Then why are you still the same way? Because I didn't apply what I read. It's the same thing with the word of God. We've got to apply it in our lives to make it effective. If we want to be blessed by the word of God, we've got to apply the word of God in our lives. We've got to live it. I know we give many churches, especially earlier when growing up, they used to give an award for reading the Bible, right? I wish they give an award for living the Bible. No, there's no way to really measure that. But we need to mark our Bibles. Yes, we need to underline and search the scriptures. But more than that, we need to apply, apply it in our lives. As much as we mark the Bible, we need to allow the Bible to mark us too. We've got to allow it to mark us too. Be a doer of the word. We use that phrase, be a doer of the word. Me knowing how to rebuild an engine. Me knowing how an engine works doesn't give me the ability to rebuild my engine if something goes wrong. We've got to apply God's word. And, you know, one of the things that amazed me moving from Washington to, to the Bible Belt as such is to see the number of churches and the number of people that get all dressed up and go to church on Sunday morning. And then I beg the question, why is our society not any different? Because people hear the word, but don't apply it in their lives. I mean, in America, like I said, we're blessed. We have radio channels and TV channels that will allow us 24-hour access to the word of God. But don't fool yourself that just listening to a radio station is going to change your life if you're not willing to apply what it teaches. Apply the word of God and my biggest fear is that we as the church not just here but we as the general church have fooled ourselves into thinking because we are surrounded by so much spirituality therefore I must be spiritual that's the challenge church that's the challenge and that's what James challenges our spirituality he challenges our maturity as Christians if you want to be blessed, you've got to live it. And as a pastor, I mean, my work is, my goal is to make the Bible simple. To present it in a way that you can apply in your own lives. That's the goal that I have so that I encourage you. That's my heart's desire so that you will be doers of the word, not just hearers of the word. More than a compliment that you can give me is go live a life according to what you have heard. That's the greatest compliment. 
when people come to this church and recognize Radiant Life Church as people who, hey, they walk the talk. They are doers of the word, not just hearers of the word. That's the compliment we need. Doers of the word. That's my prayer every Sunday afternoon before I take my afternoon nap. God, I pray that we apply your word. It's just honest. I pray that prayer every Sunday. May we apply the word. Let the devil not come away and take that seed that's fallen on hard ground. Don't let that devil come and steal that word that is planted now. That it will take root and bear fruit. Church, live the word. Live the word. They walk the talk. That's what they need to say about us. Verse 24, another translation says, the man who puts the law into practice wins true happiness. And I like that when I read that translation. Wins true happiness. When you walk according to the word, you win true happiness. When you apply God's word, you win true happiness. And the scripture that my mind went to is Matthew chapter 7. You know, Matthew chapter 7, Jesus talks about the wise man and the foolish man. What did he do? They both heard the word. Right? One decided not to practice it, so he built his house on the sand. Guess what happened? It went down. But the other person who built his house on the rock, he survived the storm. That's what he talks about, the word of God. When we apply the word of God, we are like wise men building on a rock. The sure foundation of Christ. I think the simplest definition for me for... Christian maturity is that you hunger for more of God, more of his presence, more of his word, and then be a doer of the word. That's the mark of maturity. You do what the Bible tells you to do. Not just read it. You need to heed it, really heed it. The word. And if we were to be honest, Every single one of us knows more spiritual truth than we're putting into practice even right now. It's so true because I looked into my own life and it says we know a lot more spiritual truth than we do really put into practice in our daily lives. We know we ought not to slander or gossip. We know we ought to go the extra mile even when it isn't convenient. We know we ought to show grace. We know we ought to be humble. We know we ought to hold others in higher regard than just ourselves. We know we ought to love one another, not just tolerate one another. I can go on and on and on, but let me challenge you to be honest with yourself. Are you applying the word of God or have you made exceptions to different areas in your life? Put into practice what you heard. That's how you enjoy the benefit of this word of God. Put into practice. The truth is this. We don't need more knowledge. We know know enough. What we really need is to live the word of God. To live the word of God. Practice more than knowledge. James concludes this example with, He says in verse 26, if anyone considers himself religious, yet keeps not a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. Verse 27, it says, religion that God our Father accepts is pure and faultless is this, to look after the orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Keep a clear mind, a clean mind. You cannot You cannot ride two fences. You can't have some of the world and some of Christ. You can't have a lot of Christ and a little of the world too. You've got to be either that side or you've got to be on God's side. Choose the word or choose the world. That's the choice we have. That's what James is trying to talk. That's what he's talking about real, authentic, genuine, practical Christianity right there. Is to be a doer of the word. Be a doer of the word. And that's the challenge. That he has given each one of us. What are you going to do about what you know? What are you going to do today about what you have heard? What are you going to do today as you read the Bible and God speaks to you? What are you going to do about it? That's James' challenge right here. I don't know. For some of you it might be preparing better before you come to church. Your heart. 
better before you come to church for worship. I don't know. For some of us, it may be getting up a little earlier and calming our minds and preparing our hearts as we come into this place. Lord, here I am. Lord, teach me so that I will be blessed by your word today. Again, let me be honest because I've come across some people who've left one church and gone to another church and they tell me I've not really been fed at that church and very often I want to tell them it's because your mouth is shut. You're not being fed. Because as long as the word is being preached, there will be something for you. Your heart and your attitude needs to be determined how much, will determine how much you really hear. Again, and I've said this before if you know me well enough, my attempt is not, my goal is not to teach you something new. Because I use the example of food. We don't eat a new kind of food every day. We eat fresh food. It's the same thing, but it's fresh. And that's the whole point of the word of God. When you come into church, it's not here. I can blow you away with my Greek and my Hebrew and everything else, the Latin in between. But that's not the point. It is to be repetitive, to memorize so that we will get a feel for what God's word says and that we will be doers of the word rather than just merely listen and get our ears tickled with something mind-blowing. What's the point if you hear something mind-blowing but still don't change the way you live your life? The challenge is to be a doer of the word. Fresh food, like I said. Hear my heart here, please, church. Allow the word to transform your life. Because it has the ability and the power to change lives. Allow it. The only way you can do that is to accept it, reflect on it, and then put it into practice. Apply it into your life. Be a doer of the word. Be a doer of the word, church. Maybe being a doer of the word means I need to find a ministry place in the church. And our brother Sylvester challenged us on Wednesday. Maybe it means finding a place where I can minister in the body of Christ. That's what God might be talking to you about. Through his word, he might challenge you to do that. Maybe it's finding a new place where you can minister within the church. Maybe it may be time to go witness to someone at your workplace. I don't know what the word is going to do, but as long as you open your hearts to read the word, God will speak to you. He will challenge you. Our responsibility is to obey and listen to what he does, to what he says. If you want to be blessed by the Bible, accept it as the word of God. Number two, reflect and allow it to reflect into your lives. And number three, apply it. Bow your heads with me. And even this morning as we prepare to partake from the Lord's table I want us to reflect on what I just shared because that's straight from the word of God I didn't add too much in there so again James is so hard hitting so practical and Makes me cringe sometimes because he challenges my spirituality. Am I hearing God's word and not being a doer? And he says, I'm deceiving myself if I'm that way. I want to challenge us to commit to being doers of God's word this morning. Number one, to hear God's word. Really listen. Listen to what God is trying to say. Maybe get rid of the junk that's in there, that earwax that's stopping us from hearing God maybe it's us learning to stay quiet long enough so that we hear from God maybe it's calming ourselves down calming ourselves down so that we can hear what God has to say accept God's word that it is true It is the perfect law. It is the truth on which you can build your life. It's that sure foundation on which you can build your life. That's the word of God. Reflect on the word. Accept the word and reflect on the word. Read it. Meditate on it. Again. We can meditate on things. 
meditate on his word that's looking intently it says intently into the perfect truth into the perfect law memorize challenge yourself maybe this next step in your spiritual walk is to memorize more scripture memorize scripture maybe that's the challenge for you today memorize it or maybe it like i said it's to be a better doer of the word a better doer of the word i know we have a translation called the living bible but here's the truth the life transformed when people see life transformed that's a real living bible when you allow god's word to transform your life and people see it that's the living bible right there because they know what's gone on in your life and you direct them to christ well as brother silvester and brother lupe to come and help us with communion this morning again and even as we are about to partake from this table i want us to prepare our hearts God search my heart oh God and see if there be any wicked way in me oh God Allow the word to just search your hearts and to see if there's a place where you've heard the word but need to be committed to doing and obeying the word Cuz you can come and let me tell you there are tons of people who come to church week after week and they just sit down in you know they sit down in their spot and they listen cuz they've figured they know everything there is to know they know everything every story that you go and the pastor is going to share i know it all that's not the point you really think god's going to talk to you if you have that attitude i don't think so i challenge you to prepare your hearts even as you partake and break bread together Let's come and receive the elements this morning.